Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, teach us your word. Holy Spirit, take what belongs to Jesus and give it to us as we study and as we hear your word. Heal the sick as your word is taught. Bring direction to the confused as your word is taught. Let us all hear that that, that saith the Lord as your word is taught. Let clarity come. Infuse and impact yourself into us. I pray and submit myself under your influence. Holy Spirit, let it be no other by you. Speaking through me. Take over my thoughts pattern. Take over my words. And influence it by your way. I pray that let me come under strong inspiration. Strong strong illumination in the name of Jesus Christ. That your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. We thank you in Jesus name. And someone shout a living amen. amen. Shout a living amen. amen. In the book of Psalm 19. Thank you Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I like the way Papa puts it. He said, you are not safe until you are saved. <laughs> you are not safe until you are saved. And Psalm chapter 19 verse 7 says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than money. We must live our lives according to God's word, okay? That's where it starts from. So in our previous teachings, I spoke about the fact that the Bible is inspired. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it said, I like that text so much, I feel we should all read it out loud. That text is so loaded. Can't you see it? It's, it's so loaded. It's, it's heavyweight. Our light affliction is working for us a far more eternal weight of glory. But I'm telling you, the scripture is weightier than anything you can think about. It says, let's read, let's read it out loud from the screen. Let's go. The scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's read it one more time. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How many scripture? How many scripture? So I taught you some of the false theories of inspiration. Partial inspiration, mechanical inspiration, thought inspiration, and all kinds of inspiration. Okay, God wrote it and people put it in. He said, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration. Mm. I can't stop saying it. I will keep saying that the the Greek word theopnoustos. All right, the theopnoustos, that's God breath. All scripture is God breath. Now, it's not talking about some people wrote it and God breathed into it. He's saying that the actual thing, 
it was given by God. God practically breathed it out. He breathed it out. Serious. All scripture. So this does not contain the words of God. It is the word of God. Two different things. It's not the words of God. The words of God. It's the word. Word of God. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. All right. And we got it through inspiration. And I explained how it is plenary verbal. That means that every bit of it is inspired by God. Every bit of everything you see in God's word is inspired by God. As far as even the cross on the little T. Small T, the cross on it is inspired by God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Jesus said that until heaven and earth passes away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from God's from the law until it's fulfilled. All is fulfilled. So every bit, a jot of it is inspired. Serious, isn't it? Serious. All scripture is inspired. Praise the Lord. And so, as I I said, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, how holy men of God were moved. All right, no prophecies of any private interpretation or prophecies came to us as holy men of God were moved, were carried by the Spirit of God. Um, Now, because the scriptures, all scripture inspired, it means that the, the result of inspiration, it means that it is gen, genuine, it's genuineness, okay? It points to its genuineness. The Bible is genuine. What does that mean for, the, for us to say the Bible is genuine? In other words, everything he says, the names he, he mentions, I mean, everything he says, for instance, if he says that it went up, it meant it went up. It's actually, whatever, it's, it's genuine. It's not like, okay, Peter James said that we saw Jesus, meanwhile they didn't see Jesus. Alright, so everything he says is genuine. The genuineness of God's word. And because it's inspired, it, it has credibility. You can bank on it. Because it's inspired, it has credibility. So because it's inspired, it's genuine. Because it's inspired, it has credibility. You can bank on it. You can run with it. You can depend your life on it. It has credibility. Is, is it all Scripture, um, is it both Old Testament and New Testament? Both Old Testament and New Testament has credibility. To the extent that, you know, why do we say it has credibility? Because one of the reasons why the Bible is true is because the Bible says it's, it's well, God's word. Number two, Jesus said it. No, but you are telling us Jesus said, and all we know about Jesus is what the Bible is telling us about Jesus. <laughs> do you understand that? So people say, well, that's not good enough. But even if you take Jesus, um, Jesus, the historical Jesus, for you, listen to this. Jesus is a historical figure. You can't deny it. Right? Books, history books, historical records of Jesus are there. So no one can say, so Islam cannot even deny his existence. It can't deny. All they have to find is he didn't die and it's not the son of God. But you can't deny his existence. And now anyone who knew that Jesus existed can also attest to the fact that there was no fault in him. He's a great teacher. He taught things that were impeccable, which were amazing. Yes, he did. 
You know, like Mahatma Gandhi or Confucius, they are great people who lived. They, they taught amazing things. And some of their teachings, for instance, Mahatma Gandhi and Confucius and some of those, Aristotle, some of the things they taught were very seriously credible. So before you even question what if Mahatma Gandhi tells you that the Bible is true, you are likely to believe it, aren't you? Am I making sense? Now, Jesus, in the ranking of great teachers, great impeccable teachers, leaders who have ever lived, he stands above all of them. And he says that the word of God is true. If you can find fault with any other thing he said, then you probably will say that this thing too he said is likely to be. But if every other thing he has said, according to historical record, is authentic and is credible and is true, then he starts to imply by inference that when he said the Bible is God's word, it is God's word. Jesus put his endorsement on the Old Testament by saying that the Old Testament is God's word. In John chapter 10, verse 32, 33, 34, 35, he talks about how the word of God came to them, 34 and 35, and he said the scriptures cannot be broken. If you call them God, by, to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken. So Jesus made references to the scriptures. Jesus was actually making references to Moses. He made references to Moses. In Matthew, look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, 9 40. It says that, But he answered and said to them, An, an evil and adulterous generation seek after signs, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Do you realize Jesus was making reference to Jonah? Where did he know about Jonah? In the Old Testament. Go to the next verse, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, didn't the Old Testament tell us? Jesus was quoting the Old Testament. In other words, for him to quote, he wasn't saying that maybe they said, he was quoting that that's the fact. He put his endorsement on the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, when Satan tempted him, he said, man must not, uh, not live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. By saying that, he was quoting from Deuteronomy. Jesus quoted from Matthew, Genesis, Exodus. He made references to Leviticus. He made references to Numbers. He made references to Deuteronomy. He made references to Psalms. He made references to Isaiah several times. And uh, uh, Jonah. And, I mean, several, several times will not permit us to go into details. But in, the, the, the Pharisees came to him. They came to him to test him with a question regarding marriage. In Matthew chapter 19, from verse 1. And then verse 4. Jesus took them to the altar Genesis, took them to Genesis, where he started about marriage being the first institution God uh, created, God made. All right, the first institution, no business, marriage. <laughs> so don't spoil your marriage because you are pursuing business. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of business. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One great man said, it's not worth being a, a public success if it means being a domestic failure. Uh, yeah. All right. Matthew chapter uh, 19, but let's look at quickly verse 4 and 5. Jesus told them that when they asked him about the question of marriage, that when we go to heaven, all right, whose wife will they be? <laughs> you see, you see how, how funny unbelievers or skeptics who try to pick on the word of God, sometimes how absurd they come across. Because they think they are very wise. But in in, in their demonstration of wisdom, they actually display their ignorance. 
and full. The Sadducees don't believe in angels. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they came to him. They were saying that, is there a resurrection? Or if you are saying there's a resurrection of the dead, according to the law, if, if a man marries and he dies without a child, his brother must marry the, the wife and produce children on his, the dead brother's behalf. So they came to him, they said that there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and he died without a child. So the second one has to marry her. He married her, died without a child. So the third one had to marry her. And the same till the seventh one married her and then died. Did you know the question they were asking? They thought they were so wise. They came to Jesus. At the resurrection, Matthew 22, 23. So at the resurrection, whose wife? Will she be? Because now we have all resurrected, but all of us married were married to her at a point in time. And do you know the answer Jesus gave them? Jesus answered them and said that Jesus answered, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You are missing. You see, you thought you are so wise. Okay, let's see. And he said, in the, at the resurrection, we don't marry. There will not be marriage. You see, so they think resurrection is a host, and so they want to pick on the resurrection. But the problem is they don't understand the resurrection. But they think they do. Many people don't understand the Bible. They don't understand the scriptures. But they think they do, and they pick one thing. Okay, if the Bible is saying, and you look at them in their imbecility, you can tell this is foolishly at display. Ignorance! Ignorance! So many people who try, I mean, this, this book has survived as the test of time. Em, emperors have dis- decided to destroy it, and they have been destroyed. Yeah. One of the things, maybe if I get a chance, I'll talk, I'll talk about is the preservation of the Bible. Prove to you that it's God's word. Yeah. Over the generations, people who have vowed that this Bible will be uh, annihilated or removed or uh, go into ext- extinction, they have gone into ex- extinction, and the Bible is rather uh, multiplying. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. A very sick in you know how can you say things like the Bible is a creation of the white man to control the black man? You know, you know they say things like this and you can tell that and some of them seem to be intelligent. They seem to be intelligent. It's like a, a, a professional baker who has done PhD on baking. Wants to teach as a neurologist how to operate on the brain. If a PhD holder in baking doesn't mean you know squad about the human anatomy, let alone the brains. So they think, oh, I got you now. That's why they came. Jesus said, you err because you don't understand the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. Anyway, let's go back to Matthew chapter 19. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19. So they came to Jesus to tell him that, is it okay to divorce? And Jesus said in the verse 4 and verse 5, Jesus said, he answered, uh, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male? Why is he referring to? Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Immediately referred. He said, have you not read? <laughs> Jesus was quoting Genesis. He said, have you not read? He made them male and female. Not she male, female. <laughs> Bible said in the beginning, he made them male and female. (laughs) 
In the beginning, he made them male and female. Verse 5, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the the two shall become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Just flip to that place on the screen quickly. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the, Did you see that? Yes. So Jesus put his endorsement on the book of Genesis. Quoting from the Old Testament. That, that tells us that the Old Testament is true. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 30. Very interesting one. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 downwards to 30. It talks about how in the days of Noah. Say Noah. Why did he know that from? The Old Testament. It was quote, in the days of Noah, and then it's the verse 27, 28, 29. It's not just the days of Noah he spoke about. Look at verse, 20, verse 20, 28. Likewise, in the days of Lot. Did you see that? He spoke about the days of Lot. He spoke about the days of Noah. He put his endorsement on the Old Testament. Now, there are so many references. Time will not permit us to go into it. In Mark chapter 12, verse 26 and, and verse 29. In Mark 12, 26, it says that, but concerning the dead, that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses? Did you see what Jesus said? He was referring to the book of Moses. You know, the book of Moses is the, it's called the Pentateuch. All right, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. That is what the Jews referred to as the books of Moses. And he said, have you not read in the book of Moses? What was Jesus doing? He was putting his endorsement on it, that that's scripture. Am I communicating something to somebody? The apostles also put their endorsement on the Old Testament in Acts chapter 1, verse 16, and Acts chapter 3, verse 18. The apostles made reference, pointed, look, I like Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested him. So, now, they were quoting what David said in the Old Testament. So, the apostles put their endorsement on the Old Testament. Acts chapter 3, verse 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets. Did you see that? All his prophets. That Christ would suffer, he has that's fulfilled. So they put the emphasis, they put their. So because the Bible is credible, listen, because it's inspired, you count on its genuineness, you can count on its credibility. And its credibility, Jesus Christ pointed or endorsed the Old Testament. The apostles endorsed the Old Testament and went as far as saying that all scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, all scripture. And I made it very clear that the all scripture is not only pointing to the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. All right. So Peter referred to Paul's writings as scripture. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, it talks about how 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, before he just said that we shall not all sleep, he says that for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. They were making it clear or plain that what we are writing is not our own words, it's God's word. All right. And then in 1 Thessalonians, I think chapter 2, verse 13, also, it, when it talks about when you receive God's word, you did not receive it as the word of men, but you receive it as the word of God. And in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2, 3, 4, remember Paul, verse 3 particularly said, that which I receive, okay, for I deliver to you first of all, or that which I also received. 
All right. So these things were given to them. So they, they are making it clear that it's not the, from their own whims or their own assumptions and projections. It's from God. And then, so Jesus put his endorsement on the Old Testament. The apostles put their endorsement on the Old Testament. And actually, historical records of the Old Testament are very amazing. There are names that were mentioned in the Old Testament that Gaza still exists. Jerusalem still, is still there. Nineveh, can you imagine? And then Ephesus, <laughs> Damascus, Syria, you know, Damascus, Syria. All these names are still there. And many, many more. Years, years. I'm talking about, I'm talking about over 400 years of record. We still have Hebron. Abraham went to Hebron. In Africa, Ethiopia, and Libya, and Egypt. These names are there. And in the New Testament, it talks about the Adriatic Sea, the Asia. Asia Minor, all these things are in the scriptures. Historical endeavor or pursuit can authenticate what the Bible says. So longer history record. It talks about Pontius Pilate. It talks about uh, Nero. All these people, they really existed. All right. And then the archaeological records as well. So I'm talking about the endorsement of Jesus, the apostles, historical records, and then archaeological records. Archaeology, excavations of excavations are discovering that what the Bible has always been saying is true. Praise the Lord. And then the New Testament is equally infallible. All right. The New Testament is equally reliable. But let me leave the rest. So it's genuine. It's credible. And then I want to really go on the last two points. Because the Bible is inspired. Watch this. It has credibility. Because the Bible is inspired. It has genuine. Its credibility is great. Last two points I really want to make. Which I told you in the previous teachings that I'm going to talk about is the infallibility of God's word. The scriptures are infallible. How do you understand the word fallible? Can be faulty. Faulty. So infallible. Faultless. The Bible is all about one person. Jesus. Someone shout hallelujah. So, so said, the Bible contract this itself, you see. Can I show you one of the things that people normally, I mean, there's so many things that people will pick on and they contract this. I don't think our time will permit me to explain it, but um, all right, let me quickly, okay, let me quickly give you a scripture that seems like an apparent contradiction. All right, in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, Romans chapter 3, verse 28, it looks like it's a contradiction. Let's all read it out loud. Let's go. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We conclude that a, that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So, without, that, what does that mean? Without the deeds of the law. Okay. You don't need the deeds of the law to be justified by faith. James chapter 2 verse 24. Let's read it out. James chapter 2, verse 24. Let's read it out. Let's go. See then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Not by faith only. Okay. So he said, ah, but Romans said a man is justified without any other works. But this one is also saying that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So, yeah, I see. The Bible is contradicting itself. <laughs> It looks like an opera. I remember when I was secondary school, my literature lecturer, who had just finished university, 
you'll be boasting. He said that, okay, you Christians, you say that the Bible is true. Jesus said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yet he went in his flesh and his blood. <laughs> you see, something as trivial, which can be ex- uh, explained easily. Okay, all right. Um, God created Adam and Eve. And then when Cain killed Abel, and Cain was punished, banished out, and he went and got married. Who did he get married to? There must be some people somewhere. So you see, the Bible is not a clean record. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11, it says that, I greatly regret, this is God talking, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. <laughs> and he has turned from following me and has not performed my commandment. And he grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. That's God. God what did God say? I've regretted. All right. 17 verses downwards. That's, so that means that verse what? 27. Look at verse 27. Let's look at verse 27. And Samuel turned around, and, uh, uh, turned around to go. Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. Verse 28. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Verse 29. Look at verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent. For he is not a man that he should relent. Now when you read King James. Put the King James on the screen. Verse 29. King James. For that he should repent. Right. Did you see that? For, it says that. And also the strength of Israel. Will, that's the strength of talking about God. That's why the strength is capital S. God is the strength of the strength. God will not repent. But verse 11 says God said I repent. You see what I'm saying? You see, so they pick on this. But it's semantics. Depends on the meaning of the words, the composition of the text, what it actually means. So people pick it out of context and say, yes, I've got it. I've got it. The whole Bible is wrong because I've seen contradiction. There's no one contradiction. That's why I was waiting to go on the unity of the, of the voice of the scriptures. It speaks one language, one message. One message of salvation. Have you ever seen the Bible saying that God created man from the dust? Another place saying that God threw man from heaven. <laughs> or God created three people at the same time. <laughs> the basic thing is never anywhere you can see any come. The same. The, 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 the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, the same. One plan of salvation. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, and then quickly, to throw more light on this matter of infallibility. Bible talks about from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord shall be praised. They say, ha! You see, the Bible is, because if it was God who wrote the Bible, he must know that the sun does not rise. Because the sun doesn't move. It's rather the, the rotation of the earth that makes us, it appears like it rises. So, you see, God didn't know. God, there are errors in the Bible. And then they say, the all in Capernaum came to Jesus. What do you mean by all? Everyone in Capernaum came to Jesus. And another, another favorite one they like saying, Jesus said that the master's seed is the smallest of all seeds. Jesus said it. I mean, that's big for most of them, the skeptics. Very big because even there are Christian theologians who said the Bible is not really everything correct because Jesus got it wrong at that time. 
Because the smallest seed is not the master seed. If he was really God, he must have known it. Because the smallest seed is not the master seed. There are seeds, there are seeds that are smaller than. So why did Jesus say this is the smallest seed? When you are interpreting the Bible, hermeneutics, you have to understand the culture under which it, when it was written. The, the Bible, as I said, the Bible employs figures of speech like metaphor, similes. So when it said the whole of Capernaum, it was simile. When they said that the, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun, it's, 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 uh, it's an anthropomorphic language as it appears to the naked eye. That's how we see it. So why don't you go to BBC and tell them the meteorologist is wrong. You are wrong. You said today sunrise and said that you are wrong. BBC is wrong. It's not credible. Why don't you say that before you come and tell us about that? It's anthropomorphic language. In other words, as it appears to the naked eye. As it appears. So it's, it's just um, a figure of speech. It's not a, a scientific statement. When I say no, you understand what I mean by no scientific statement. And so there are so many metaphors in the scriptures, unlearned and unskillful women. In fact, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Also in all, all his epistles, speaking of them of things that watch this, of things in which are some hard things to understand. This is talking about Paul, okay? Hard things to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. People who are untaught, they are unstable. They take the scripture and twist it to their own destruction. Because they don't, they don't see how Jesus told them. Jesus said, You err because you don't know the scriptures. That's why the greatest assignment of every pastor is to teach, not to pray for people. So those of you who have made prayer warriors out of pastors. <laughs> Yeah, the pastor is supposed to pray for the people as well, but then that's that's fundamental. That's not the primary role of the pastor is equip the saints. And when you equip the Greek word katakizo, which can we get the word katkism from? To teach, break down katkizo, to mend the believers. So the job of a pastor, in fact, he says that he must be able to teach in verse Timothy. When you're talking about the responsibilities of a pastor, he must be able to teach. A pastor who can't teach is not supposed to be doing that job. Because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. Number three, is that not number three? Number one, let's get some to be apostles, one, some to be prophets, two, some to be evangelists, three. and some to be pastors. Watch that, watch this. Actually, it's fourfold, but sometimes just it's good to leave it five. Many people think it's pastors and some to be teachers. No. In fact, in Amplified or something, it says, Teaching pastors. <laughs> pastors and teachers. Pastor teachers. In the original. Pastor teachers. So it's not pastors and some to buy yourself and some to be some, some to be pastors and teachers. That means pastor teachers or teaching pastors. The job of a pastor is to teach, not teach biology, not teach chemistry, not teach philosophy. Teach God's word. Teach God's pastor. Teach God's word. If you don't know it, get on the pulpit. Go see somewhere. Study God's word. Have an encounter with God in His word. And then come and what is the business? What is the man preaching?
opportunity if you can quote, make reference to the scriptures, and you are quoting from Warren Buffett, quoting from uh, um, Shakespeare, quoting from anybody but the Bible. Yeah. 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 So, hallelujah. hallelujah! I may not know what Aristotle has said. Fine. I may not know what Winston Churchill has said. Fine. I may not know what David Cameron is saying. Fine. But I don't have a business in the pulpit if I don't know what God is saying. Say hallelujah! Did you receive something at all? Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.